Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 54. We got a great show today. I really want to thank you for listening. My guest is Marty McCann. And Marty and I had a great chat all about birding. Now, birds are something that anyone can see no matter where they are, whether you're in the city or out camping. And we just had a great talk about how to identify birds and how to, how basically just to get the most out of enjoying the birds that are around us. Well, hello, Marty. Today, my guest is Marty McCann, and we're going to talk all about birding. I recently met Marty at a camp out, and Marty was part of a group leading a birding walk in the morning that I attended, and I learned so much. And so I asked Marty if she would come on the podcast and share with us a little bit of her knowledge of birding. So Marty McCann, thank you so much for being part of the Solo Women RV podcast. My pleasure. Yeah. So first, Marty, let's start out a little bit with some of your, a bit of your RV story. Tell us what you travel in and where you like to travel and where your home base is, that kind of thing. Well, I live in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, right now I have a small class B RV called the Pleasure Way. I've only had it since January. Okay. So kind of a big step up for me to have an actual RV with running water and heat and yeah. a bathroom. So this summer I've stuck pretty close to home. Yeah, I've done trips to the Oregon coast and the Washington coast and the Olympic Peninsula and, you know, kind of stuck more in the local area. And I've been out to Malheur Wildlife Refuge bird watching in oh, that yeah. yeah. Okay. So I know that the Malheur, Mal, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Malheur, mm -hmm. did I say it? Mm -hmm. Birding Refuge is a big destination point for birders far and near. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Right. Well, Malheur is near Burns in Southeast Oregon and near the Steen Mountains. So it's got some interesting geography that just makes it a magnet for birds. There's a lot of, even though it's a desert, there are acres and acres of wetlands and lakes there, mostly because of the Steen's Mountains. The snowmelt runs down these super steep mountains and just floods the fields. And so it was designated as a national wildlife refuge. I don't know when, many years yeah. ago. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the 50s sometime. So during migration in the spring and the fall, you can see literally hundreds of species of birds there. Lots mm. and lots, especially water birds will make their layovers there on their way to migrating. But lots of songbirds and other birds as well, so... I don't know. We saw about 120 species when wow. we were out. Okay? And that was kind of a low count for, <laughs> for really good birders. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about the logistics of the mail here. Like if you wanted to, if someone wanted to travel there in their RV, 
Is there oh. boondocking nearby? Are there campgrounds? Like where do people stay when they head out there? Uh-huh. You really can't boondock very easily on the refuge and surrounding ranch land. I think there's some discouraging discouragement to boondock. Uh, However, it's about five hours from Portland, and there is boondocking along Highway 20 that runs between Bend and and Burns. I have seen quite a bit of boondocking along there, but the refuge is about 30 miles south of Burns, so it depends on how close you want to be. Yeah. (laughs) There are two private RV parks, one near the ranch headquarters where we stayed, and then one at the southern end of the refuge near French Glen. We also stayed there we wanted reservations um mm-hmm. because it was a long day to get out there and we wanted to be sure we had a place to stay uh, but just a couple miles from the from the rv park near french Glen, there's a wonderful forest service campground the best place to camp down there it's called page springs oh uh, okay forest service campground mm-hmm. it's about three or four miles down a gravel road from french Glen, town of french and all the birders stay there, and it's beautiful. There's campfires every night. The birders get together and talk about what they've seen and share okay. stories, and okay. it's just really great. We didn't realize that the camp hosts are pretty generous. If you arrive and there's no campsites, we were told they're pretty good about just letting you park somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Less boondock if the place is full, so next next time we would do that it's really lovely and then there's more remote camping further south in the alvord desert and in the steams mountains i don't know if i would take much of an rv Mm -hmm. up some of those towards the steams it's pretty pretty rough road and pretty rugged up in there but you know it's an adventure well hot spring there's a number of hot springs oh wow uh, so Alvord Hot Springs, I heard, is pretty good boondocking. Crane Hot Springs actually has a private RV park and bathhouse and all that. So it's just a whole fun area to visit. Wow. So what time of year would you recommend people head that way to see the most birds and catch the best weather? Yeah. April and May, for sure. Okay. By June, a lot of the migration is passed and the mosquitoes get really bad because all that standing water around there <laughs> ah okay those are pretty bad it gets pretty cold at night though in april and may so when we were there towards the end of may it was about 27 degrees at night so i didn't hook up any of my water systems i was a little concerned mm. about my pipes freezing at night they probably would not have but i was cautious about that so yeah better be safe with a new to you rv uh, right yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah prior to that i camped in a vw van several different vw vans which were a lot simpler to camp in i have to tell you <laughs> okay so well we talked about mail here let's find let's say like where are some other good places to look for birds let's just say you know i'm on a road trip or i'm out camping where and when are good places to find birds to observe yeah well there are many, many national wildlife refuges across the country. I mean, I've been surprised how many are just in our local area that you're not even aware of, you know? So just look at your map. They're, they're everywhere. 
and they all have a minimum, you know, kiosk, they'll tell you what kinds of birds you can see there. Often there's pamphlets with a checklist, so you can just mm. see the species that tend to be there and what time of year they're there, and you can just check them off yourself. I mean, there's dozens of them just right around the Portland area. Two of the best ones are Ridgefield National Wildlife Refuge, just a little bit north of Vancouver. That is a fantastic wildlife refuge. It has a driving loop, so you don't get out of your car. You just drive this slow loop and you can see easily 50 species in one loop around there. You know, some always a slow time, you know after nesting season and after migration it's a we're kind of in the doldrums of bird watching activity right now okay but you know fall and spring migration are always good no matter where you go i mean like places like texas are unbelievable for fall and spring migration you know they get like 75 percent of all (laughs) songbirds all birds pass through there wow you know from south america central america up to north america for the summer and you know there are many wildlife refuges there and amazing place for bird watching okay just to throw out some but there's a lot more local places you know you know just about anywhere you go you can see birds well yeah that's what i was thinking especially when we're out camping we're going to be out in the woods and i remember driving last summer out near bend oregon and seeing a bluebird flying which was which was quite wonderful i don't think i'd ever seen a bluebird on the west coast before so that was pretty cool but yeah Yeah. so like what are some things like if we want to notice birds as we're traveling like what what kind of tips would you give us get a good bird book and just start practicing with that You know, some of the good ones are Sibley's and the Peterson's. Both of those are really good bird books, but you can find birds for your local area. You can find bird books for kids. You know, some Mm. are introductory that do teach you some of the basics. You know, mostly it's just the power of observation. To identify a bird, you want to look at, look for certain features whenever you see a bird. The size. Yeah, like the size of the bird the behavior what's it doing when you're looking at it hopping around on the ground under bushes is it flying is it perched out in the open is it hidden in the bushes is it you know chirping away Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you kind of want to know the size you want to know what it's up to certainly you know color although that can be really tricky because some birds change colors during the course of the year yeah mating season some of them put on just brilliant feathers and they look very dull the rest of the year females sometimes have a lot less color look very very different from the males so Mm. but you still want to look at color and then you get more specifics like what kind of beak does it have what's the shape of the beak is it long and pointed or is it slender or you know is it wide and flat whatever some of those basics then you know then if you just look up those characteristics and start getting familiar with their bird book, you will start figuring out what they are. Okay. Well, you're talking about books, but I know you introduced me to an app that I feel like has really changed my interest in birding 
because it's right there on my phone and I always have my phone with me and I might not be carrying a book. So tell us about the app that you introduced me to. Yeah, this is a really great tool. So Cornell University is well known for its ornithology department and they put out lots of publications and fund a lot of research. So Cornell Labs has an app called Merlin, M-E-R-L-I-N. It's for free. Go to your app store, just download the Merlin app. And then you can download what they call bird packs, which are just fixed for different areas of the country or the world for that matter. So, you know, you might want to here download the Northwest Pacific Northwest bird pack. If you're going to travel to Texas, you want to download that pack of birds. And that app is just great. You can use it in a number of ways. Like we were just saying, look at a bird and then it'll ask you a series of questions about the bird, such as size, color, location is super important. You know, certain birds are not found above, you know, 5,000 feet in elevation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some birds are not found, you know, east of the Cascade Mountains. So it'll ask you the location or you can have it just set to allow your phone to tell Berlin where you are. So you can answer a series of questions and then it gives you a list of likely candidates and you can look through those and zero in on which bird you're seeing. It's not always 100% accurate. I swear I've seen birds that it just doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but some some of that's probably just, you know, I didn't observe it correctly, maybe. Or you can just explore birds in general. You know, you can guess that it's a, a robin and then it'll give you, you know, six birds in the thrush family to consider that might be the bird. And the coolest thing about it, which I think you saw too, is it has a fairly new addition for sound. So when you're walking along and hearing birds singing, you can open your Merlin app and hit the sound recording and it'll, your phone will record the bird songs and then it'll start displaying a list of what you're hearing. And then you can start looking for them. You're like, oh my gosh, there's a lesser goldfinch around here somewhere and get those binoculars and start trying to zero in on where it might be. Yeah, that was my, that's been my favorite part. Just I'm traveling right now out in the Columbia River Gorge and, you know, there's all these birds, I hear them. And so I've just been recording and I'm starting my own bird list now of birds that I've seen. Uh, It's really, it's a really, really fun app. And it's just got me so excited about a new way to experience nature and experience, you know, what is all around me is here listening for the birds and identifying what they are and looking for them. And it's been really, really fun. So I want to thank you so much for introducing me to that app. I feel like it's really opened up this whole new world to me. That's just great. Yeah, I really enjoy it too. You can, Audubon Society gives classes in learning bird songs. It's amazing to go with someone who is an expert in birding by ear and you know learn from them i'd love to get to where i could just hear it and know mm. <laughs> without having to know but that takes a lot of practice and a lot of memorization and some people get out there every day and practice yeah. and get really good and you know i'm getting better at knowing the more common birds but okay I, 
but yeah, I just think it adds a super fun dimension. Sometimes I just walk along with, and almost with my eyes closed and just listen, mm. you know, yeah. and that's just their level to burning besides just trying to spot them. It's hard to spot birds, you know, almost depending on the terrain, you know, you almost have to see them in motion so they catch your eye so you can figure out where otherwise you could spend a lot of time with your trees staring with your binoculars staring at trees and just never see (laughs) bird and you know so you got to watch for that movement (laughs) is just another tip okay depending I mean water birds my goodness you know they're swimming right in front of you so go out to Malheur or out to Ridgefield you know and you'll just see rafts and rafts of ducks and geese and uh, herons and yellow legs and all kinds of water birds. So a little easier to spot since they're on the water. <laughs> okay, very cool. So you mentioned binoculars a couple times. Tell sure. us about like what if we want to invest in a pair of binoculars to up our birding game. What yeah. should we look for as far as because I you know you can go on Amazon and there will be a wide range of prices and whatnot in binoculars. So what should someone look for if they did want to purchase binoculars? Well, I think the bird experts say, you know, buy the most expensive pair you can afford. You'll never be sorry to have, you know. (laughs) Well, expense doesn't always mean quality. So what would we look for? Yeah, well, it does tend to mean quality in binoculars because he is the, the lenses and you know the more finely ground the lenses are you know the more expensive they are but that gives you more clarity and more light so just a rule of thumb figure out what your budget is and you know most people most beginners get 10 by 42 binoculars mm-hmm. don't ask me exactly what those mean but it gives you some pretty good ability to see birds at a distance and I believe that 10 indicates that it lets in, you got a pretty good light, light coming it in. lets in pretty good light. Yeah. And it gives you a pretty good view, a larger scope that way, because you can have more light and they're not super heavy to carry. Some that have more magnification, like an eight by 42, they let in less light, but they're, you know, going to make images a little sharper. So, okay. um, really depends on your preference. People say, just go and try a lot of them. Well, that's the best thing. The Audubon Society has a store in Portland, if you go to the Audubon store, and they have all sorts of binoculars in every price range, and they'll let you, you know, take them outside and try them all. And what's okay. comfortable for you, but, you know, you can spend uh, 50 or $100 up to, you know, four or five thousand dollars for whoa okay (laughs) my goodness I would I would think those pairs should be should do video and identify and probably like I don't know a lot more than five thousand dollars yeah wow and attach cameras to them and Mm. you know a lot of things like that spotting hey you know the other thing is if you're really gonna up your game get a spotting scope you know that's instead of binoculars it's just one lens but they are really powerful you pretty much need a tripod to rest those on mm. um and spend a few hundred 
clearly up to a few thousand on those. Some yeah. of those get expensive. But so, you know, burning, it just depends on how serious you want to be. Honestly, I think my binoculars are probably about $125. They work fine for me and I'm happy with them. So uh, I didn't spend a whole bunch on them. Yeah, I inherited a pair from my dad, which I have no idea how good they are or not good they are, but they're, I'm enjoying them. They're definitely making it better than looking with the naked eye. If you want to get started, maybe you can pick up a pair at a thrift store or something like that. Or a Walmart, probably even. Sure. Well, you can probably try out some binoculars. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, anybody that sells goods is going to have some binoculars so you know nikon makes good ones oh gosh there's just a lot of brands out there so okay sweet all right so let's say someone wanted to get involved in bird watching and they wanted to join up with a community of others where are some places mm -hmm. that they could find local communities that are going out and doing bird watching I know you talked about some in Portland, Oregon, but what about other places if somebody's listening from, say, Texas or from New York State or Canada? Right. right. Well, there are certainly Audubon societies across the country, I think in Canada, too. They all offer free birdwatching uh, trips. Oh, I mean, okay. For a couple hours, you know, go yeah. sign up the Audubon Society bird walk and you can find them on meetup here locally Audubon puts their bird walks on meetup although oh, FY okay That's a lot of know. yeah a lot of times they're already filled up by the time you see it on the meetup they're pretty popular so okay that makes sense you might just need to get involved through the local Audubon Society but they're across the country anywhere even in rural areas, my dad used to do the Christmas Day Audubon bird camp every year on Christmas, usually right around Christmas, Christmas Day. They ask volunteers to just take a take a section and go out and count as many birds as they can in that area. And they use that, you know, to collect data on species and whatnot. But, you know, my folks lived in a super rural area and yet there was Audubon Christmas Day bird count. <laughs> okay. Now, is Out that there. something a beginner could get involved with, or would you need to have some yeah. sort of knowledge of nope. the, the kind of birds you're seeing? You just count, or do you literally have to categorize the birds you're seeing? Yeah. You know, you don't need any experience. Other people there will help you figure out what you can do oh, to help. Okay. Right? I mean, maybe there'll be a big flock of ducks, and they'll teach you how to estimate how many are in that not you don't necessarily need to know what kind of birds they are that so might, okay yeah. so that might be a good way to get started yeah that's a good way to do it you know you're always going to learn from other people always places where there's and start chatting with the person standing next to you with the binoculars so you know you can do bird watching anywhere from you know your backyard to a really urban area you know yeah sparrow Sparrows and robins are everywhere and they're super underappreciated, you know? They're the best singers out there. They're beautiful. There's many different kinds of sparrows and just about anywhere you can see them. Yeah, that's true. If you're walking around with your binoculars, people either think you're a stalker or a birder. So <laughs> <laughs> very cool. 
Marty, thanks so much for all of this information. Is there anything that like we should be cautious of if we're out birding? Yeah, watch where you're walking. You might be so engrossed in listening or using your binoculars that you trip over things or <laughs> fall off the trail. It's very easy to get engrossed and not watch where you're going. You know, it's kind of like uh, not what, looking at your phone while you're walking. So. Yeah, okay. Uh, it sounds like maybe you have some experience in that area. Oh, you know, I might have done that a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you're out in nature, right? So there's all the, you know, usual hazards and just want to be cautious. You don't want yeah. to get lost. You want to go traipsing off through the woods after some sound and lose the trail. <laughs> yes. General precautions, I guess. Yes. Um, I just, yeah, no. I just did a podcast on hiking safety and how to not lose the trail. So yeah. <laughs> it can be worse if you're distracted by a gorgeous bird. Well, cool, Marty. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Is there anything that I didn't bring up that you wanted to talk about, about birding for someone who's maybe just getting started? I'd say, you know, primarily just get out and do it. Maybe find somebody, a friend that's done yeah. a little bit more too and pick a place and get out there. You know, there's a lot of Facebook groups for bird watchers. Lastly, no matter where you are in the world, if you like do world traveling or local, you can hire a guide for a fairly inexpensive amount of money. I was in Southern Mexico and we hired a guide for half a day who took us all around a village and out in the jungle and certainly saw birds I would never have seen oh, without it. And it was, it was pretty darn inexpensive, you know, Okay. you can find them, just Google them. Uh, and, and sometimes those guides offer organized trips or you can just hire them one-on-one. -on -one. So that's a really cool way, a good excuse for traveling. And yeah, and a lot of the national parks also, you can hire guides as well. For yeah. All kinds yeah. of wildlife, not just birding. Yeah, that's right. You know, they make a living by, you know, being professional guides and they really know the ecosystems where they are working. So very good. Great tips. Thanks, Marty. I want to thank my guest, Marty, for coming on and sharing all those great tips about locating birds. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, when traveling, Look for a bird refuge or a natural refuge area because they can be a great place to take your binoculars out and look for birds and start to get to know bird behavior and what to look for. Number two, pay attention to the different characteristics of the birds you observe. What's their size? What's their color? Where did you see it? What is it doing? All these will help you identify the bird. Number three, don't just try to spot birds with your eyes, use your ears too. And an app like Merlin can help you identify the birds that you can't even see. Number four, buy the best quality binoculars you can afford. 10 by 42 is a good magnification range for beginners. Number five, if you wanna get a jump start on your birding education, find a local Audubon Society and they can usually offer classes or free bird walks. Number six, you can learn from anyone. If you see someone with binoculars, stop and chat. Ask what they're looking at. Most people are friendly and happy to share what they know. 
And number seven, if you're going to be traveling, consider hiring a guide for birding or nature watching. In birding hotspots, you can find local guides to show you not just birds, but all the natural stuff in the area. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.